All right. So first things first with, with housekeeping. So next week we won't have class, but um, on Sunday we are having that author discussion with Herrick and Todd, and that will be Sunday at 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Um, it'll go we have two hours scheduled but you know whatever it, it ends up being um so think of, of questions throughout the week uh it can be directly from triumph of zion or uh just in their personal projects as well um as as you know uh, todd deals a lot with the oath and covenant of the priesthood and and those kind of topics and then herrick deals a lot with um Triumph of Zion and helping Terry publish John's posthumous work and, and things like that. So anyway, all questions are, are welcome and uh, we'll have a, a fun little kind of end of book <laughs> discussion with, with them involved. And that's um, going to be recorded? Yes, uh, that will be recorded. Both of them said that uh, they we were free to record as long as uh, we just kind of disseminate amongst our group and not just like full on public mm -hmm. on YouTube kind of thing. So. I've got a question, Cameron. Yeah. I, I had oodles of questions when I watched his video. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> Can we have him flesh some things out that he, I felt like he didn't really get a chance to say because he kept getting asked questions and interrupted. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, like, yes, we want to do a lot of Triumph of Zion, but yes, I think we'll, we'll branch out a lot into some of those kind of topics as well. Okay. Go back and watch that again. It seems like there was one time he said, because I've watched it four or five times, but it's been a while. It seems like there was one time he said, um, I have so much more to say about it, but no time. And then he moved on and it was like, what? <laughs> uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. So it'll be fun. Uh, yeah. Bring any and all questions. Try to bring some with with triumph as well because they're excited to kind of see where we took triumph and, and what we kind of learned and stuff from it but um yeah all of those other questions are, are totally welcome as well okay. thank you so that's on the 20th um or the 13th? no 13th okay yeah so the 13th will be that discussion and then on so next wednesday the 16th is when we will not hold class and I forgot until we started class here to send out the reminder for this week, um, but I will send out a reminder as well next week uh, that there won't be any class. Um, and then I'll be sending out an email, uh, getting us geared up for Book of Nelson and everything. And that's what will be on the 23rd. We will start uh, Book of Nelson and uh, diving into the first general conference session, April, 2018. And but are you going to be sending out that thing, the book soon? Uh -huh, yes. Yeah. So I just got it two days ago. And so I'll be shipping that out here <laughs> as soon as time permits this week, for sure. Okay, perfect. Cool. Yep. Did you say we were all going to be reading a different talk? Oh, yes. So um, we're all going to be reading all of the talks. But as far as the discussion goes, each of the groups will kind of have some rotating ones. And, and you'll see that in the schedule where my I, not fear that's the wrong word <laughs> but i i'm afraid we might not be able to get to all of the talks each week in all of the groups and so i picked one talk for each group to 
primarily focus on. Like we'll start off there. And if we have time to discuss all of the talks, we will, but at least we'll cover that one. So that we build up like kind of this, this library of, of videos where um, like group A will cover this talk, group B will cover this talk and group C will cover this one. And if we happen to have time enough to discuss all of them, we will, but at least we'll cover all of the talks between the groups kind of a thing. Hopefully that makes sense. We'll do three talks a week. Uh-huh, yeah. So in all of his conferences, there's between three and five talks. And when there's five talks, two of them are usually pretty short. Like they're just kind of like little introductions or uh, introductory remarks kind of a thing. Um, so yeah, there's, there's basically three talks out of each conference. But um, in the schedule, it'll have all of those labeled. Uh, for group C, it'll say which one we're primarily focused on, but to read all of them and, and we'll try to get to them all for sure. But in an hour's time, with the, the kind of deep diving that we're getting into, I don't know if we'll be able to cover all of the, the talks from that session. So anyway, it's going to be kind of an interesting format. And if we find that that does not work and we need to switch and do something else, that's just kind of my preliminary plan. <laughs> but uh, we, we can vary from it. I, I'm totally open to everything. Uh, yep. Um, all right, so Triumph of Zion. Uh, this final section is it's just a, a real uh, good hit home, right? Um, we have a power in the priesthood here that, that gives a lot of great insights and quotes into all of our priesthood uh, power that, that is available through, through Christ. And I, I find it very interesting. Um, this, this talk, uh, or these quotes from Joseph Smith, right? On page 307 to 308. Mm -hmm. um, I just kind of like to, yeah, let me just read them. <laughs> it might take up a little bit of time, but um, it says, no matter who believeth, these signs, such as healing the sick and casting out devils, etc., should follow all that believe, whether male or female. He asked the society if they could not see by this sweeping promise that wherein they are ordained, it is the privilege of those set apart to administer in that authority, which is conferred on them. And if the sisters should have faith to heal the sick, let all hold their tongues and let everything roll on. Respecting females administering for the healing of sick, he further remarked, there could be no devil in it. If God gave his sanction by allowing a healing, there could be no more sin in any female laying hands on and praying for the sick, then in wetting the face with water, it is no sin for anybody to administer that hath faith, or if the sick have faith to be healed by their administration. The only thing that's changed since 1881 is a point of procedure. To help avoid confusion, our inspired leaders have instructed that females performing healings by faith should avoid laying on hands, which is now reserved as a sign of priesthood authority. All else remains the same, except that it has become uncommon for non-priesthood holders to work miracles by their faith. We now consider such things to be exclusive domain of the priesthood. And so it's kind of like one of those tradition things, right? It, it's kind of fallen out of practice. We don't talk about it, even to the extent that, ooh, that's the woo-woo the part, and you don't get involved in that, right? It, it's an interesting culture that, that we live in, but, but looking at Joseph Smith, the, the head of our dispensation, and um, these powerful quotes, what kind of insights and, and ideas did uh, reading this section uh, give, give you all as you were uh, reading through these sections this week? Uh, I had a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so 
which is now reserved as a sign of priesthood authority. Thinking that maybe that wording needs to be changed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 1881, we have different language and different understanding now, right? According to modern revelation, right? Now, my second thing is, if we go back in the book a little bit, and we want to know how to be part of Zion, not back, but forward, I guess, we want to know how to be part of Zion, or how to be pure in heart. One was to be pure, right? Uh, Sin and using, now we're not going to all be sinless, but to repent. And the second one was to put away false or to put away lies, yeah. right? So how does that relate to what we just read? <laughs> right, yeah, it's a very interesting topic. Uh, if anybody's read like Barbara Morgan Gardner's book and stuff, like it, it gave a lot of insight into correctly defining what we're talking about. Because sometimes we just put, we lump it all into one basket and call it the priesthood, right? But separating out what is priesthood authority, what is priesthood keys, what is priesthood um, power, etc. You know, there's there's a lot to unpack and understand and, and really go to the scriptures to see what they say and what they have said. Well, and according to President Nelson, some of it is just priesthood ordination with no mm-hmm. power, right? Yeah. Um, and then this last second to last line in that paragraph, it has become uncommon for non-priesthood holders to work miracles by their faith. Yeah, which is really sad. Isn't it in this book a little bit earlier that said it was Joseph Smith again, where he was like uh, condemning some of the brethren and they were saying, you're like either find out how to heal people or stop performing the, the, the blessings, right? Like get it together kind of thing and i think that that's kind of right in line with this um i did you all watch president nelson's fireside with the bednars was that like in europe i believe so right uh, i think that was the europe one with the bednars and the nelsons mm-hmm. and, yeah, i haven't had a chance to get to it yet okay well it was really mm-hmm. good because sister bednar tells a story that goes right along with this she said that um they had gone on a trip with, with Elder Bednar. I think it was for work. And on the way over, their son started getting kind of sick and they thought it was just the traveling and the jet lag. And they walked around, they went back to the hotel and went to bed. And he just, I can't remember if he had like a sore throat or what it was, but he wasn't feeling well, or even if she described it, cause that wasn't the point of the story. But he asked his dad for a blessing and his dad gave him a blessing. They went to bed the next day. They got up and he just wasn't feeling well. And by that evening, he said, mom, can dad give me another blessing? And she said, no, his, she said, I reassured him that the blessing his dad had already given him was still in effect, but that we needed to pray for more faith to have it work. And then she did exactly kind of what we're told in 1881 is and that is that she prayed with him that they would be able to increase their faith and he was healed so that was kind of a a cool story yeah i love that example there Mm -hmm. and then i think it's all about really connecting with heaven whenever we're dealing with any of it right like we need to go and figure out if, if we need a blessing, how to receive such blessings and, and what kind of faith needs to be augmented in order to receive it. 
those are some key questions. Uh, sometimes it's it's the Lord will to heal, and sometimes uh, we need to pass through some trial. But uh, in the end, connecting with heaven is the most important part, and and that has no. Uh, I'm trying to like paraphrase. What is it? That God's no respecter of persons, right? I mean, it's it's both male and female, bond and free, black and white. That's for everyone to connect with heaven and receive that type of revelation and, and faith to heal and to be healed, etc., uh, etc. Et well, it really yeah. blows um, the the excuse that it must not have been God's will, right? Like, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> I mean, didn't he talk about that in another? section of the book that it's just kind of an excuse for um not being not calling down not drawing down the powers of heaven or something like that but um i can't remember exactly what he was saying but that's what it reminded me of that if if you feel like you need to say you you know heal right now then say it and and believe <laughs> yeah. it you know super yeah, interesting exactly. and i i i think that as women we you know we're not ordained but i've definitely um had experiences where i've helped my you know healed my children i didn't necessarily use the priesthood but i sure did what I felt like I needed to do so they could heal. I don't know. It's making me think along those lines. Yeah. yeah I love that. So how do we become pure in heart in order to have faith necessary for these kinds of things? Oh, one thing that really stood out to me on, on 311 was right in the middle that, um, these incorrect beliefs seem simple, but they're lies that originate from the evil one. We can't approach the veil with lies in our heart. And so that, that really kind of hit me in with the veil and, and with prayer in general, uh, with everything. Uh, approaching the Lord with lies in our heart is, is going to be a great stumbling block. How do we become purified? How do we get this purged and, and cleaned? Um, what, what has been your experience and, and what have you learned along the way in that, that principle of becoming pure in heart, like truly and honestly, uh, removing lies and, and baggage from, from our lives? I just want to testify that I had false beliefs, but by reading the Book of Mormon, um, I've been taught differently. So some of those beliefs were beliefs on war, oh, yeah. things like that, more um, not necessarily a spiritual thing. And yet the whole Book of Mormon is about war. And so that's an important, I mean, there's been a lot of beliefs like that, that as I really start pondering and thinking about it from reading the Book of Mormon, I'm like, huh. That's a wrong belief. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's interesting that until you're ready to let go of the, the previous belief, often uh, the Lord 
either won't lead you there or you always kind of become almost combative about it until then. So like, uh, it's not like, uh, what's the, the phrase? You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make a drink kind of a thing. Like until you're ready to, to, to throw off your unbelief on any given principle, uh, it's, it really is between you and the Lord. No one can sit there and go, this is where you're wrong and you have to believe different. I mean, natural man is just going to bull up and, and stay your ground kind of a thing. But turning a heart and making it pure starts helping it to be more open to, to things like, hey, you know, I, I might be wrong on this. Like, now let's go to the Lord and, and let him reshape and and write his law upon our heart rather than our own kind of precepts and concepts. It's a powerful transition, but you can't force it on anybody. It has to be individual choice and it has to be led by agency and, um, and, and out of love and charity, right? It's like, we can't make people wake up. We can't <laughs> do anything until um, that heart has been humbled or <laughs> uh, is in a state of, of humility. I think another, like some of the false beliefs I've had have been by the whisperings of the spirit. So I'm just going to throw an idea out there that I've been pondering about. I really don't like that. We say we give our will to the Lord because I don't think the Lord wants our will. I think what he wants is for us to want what he wants. And so I think it's more appropriate to say to align our will with his than to give our will mm. to the Lord. Like we have nothing to offer the Lord, but our will. I just, I don't know. Uh -huh. I, think, I think that's not right. I think it's more that he just wants us to want what he, what he wants, what he has, what to have his same vision for us. Does that make sense? Yeah, mm -hmm. I could totally see that. And uh, maybe it's, maybe it's semantics, but I've just been pondering that the last few months is that I don't, because to me, giving our will to the Lord, I don't know. It almost seems kind of like a bondage thing, you know, like you're giving over your last thing. Like I can, I can see that. Yeah. And it's, and it's like taking away our agency. No, I mean, I know it's our agency to give it to him. Mm -hmm. He doesn't want it. I really don't think he wants it. What he wants is for us to align our will with his. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really like that. You know, I've, I've always said that exact phrase, <laughs> turning our, our wheel over to him kind of thing. It's like, it's a phrase we say in the church, but I think it's a, I'm just pondering, is this a false wording? Mm -hmm. It's yeah, like not, that. he doesn't want our, he doesn't want anything. What he wants is for us to live with him. And he wants us to choose that. And in order to choose that, then we need to study and learn and listen and, and choose it. Mm -hmm. I don't think he wants our will because that's kind of like a, a dictator, right? Mm -hmm. And that's not the Lord. I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love it. Thank you. Okay, another one is... <laughs> The church isn't true. I know this is Christ's church, but it's the doctrines of Christ that's true, mm -hmm. right? Because when we 
I, if we base our testimonies, it just kind of bugs me. I know this church is true. If we base our testimonies on the church, we're going to fall every time. Mm -hmm. That, that phrase has bothered me for many, many years. Ah. I'm like, where did that come from? <laughs> where, where did that start? Like, I know the church is true. It doesn't even make any sense. No. What does that mean? I don't understand. I think that people they're they're trying to express something really important but they just aren't they just haven't stopped to think about that phrase because it's just so prevalent is that part of the pulpit culture that yeah <laughs> i've okay, never heard no. a comment <laughs> i like that i like that um here's another one i was reading the book of mormon yesterday and it's in first Nephi 13, I think the abominable church is now brought in and how it's the whore of all the earth. And I just kind of had a thought come into my mind. I'll throw it out there. So you would say the abominable church and the church of Jesus Christ, right? Of Latter-day Saints. That's the way we say it. We're the only true church upon the earth. And yet I think we have false traditions and and we're saying that there's other people. If you're not a member, you're not part of the truth. And I think there's a lot of non-members that follow Christ. And I think there's a lot of members that belong to the abominable church. So I kind of had the impression that the opposite of the abominable church isn't the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but the church of the firstborn. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Makes a lot of sense. The abominable church infiltrates everywhere, which is why we don't base our testimony that I know this church is true. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm just, yeah. I'm just saying. Are these are these lies? Yeah, I think I like that's it. common everywhere because I hear it in testimony meeting all the time and it drives me crazy. It's, I know the me church too. is true and I love the gospel. And I wish they would say, I know the gospel is true and I love Jesus Christ, but they don't say that. They, no. mm -hmm. And I'm like, they're basing it on the church and the gospel, but not on the gospel and Christ. And it's like, drives me up the wall. <laughs> and, and me too. And we have the doctrines and we have the priesthood and we give the ordinances. I think it has to do with where they're at in their testimony and their growth. Yeah, that's when a child, give a childlike testimony that maybe isn't perfect. And as we learn and grow, we get better. So I, I you know, I'm hesitant to condemn the children that get up or even the people that, because they're, they're still growing, they're still learning and, that's a good point. Yeah. Or they're just nervous and that's what comes out because they hear other people say it. So it's just easy to, it's an easy thing to say, you know, yeah. they first, they, that's usually what they say when they first get up sometimes, not always, but mm -hmm. it's like, it's an opener because maybe they're just a little, <laughs> I know some people get really nervous to get up there and give their testimony. And so that's oh. what comes out. Something that just kind of is. Yeah. Familiar. Familiar. Well, I think yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's a. Like I, I'm trying to teach my 10 year old now that I am more aware, like we yep. practice giving our tests, you know, doing our testimonies at home on Sunday. Let's, we're, we're not going to say, I know this church is true. Mm -hmm. So I'm training my child 
doing great not yeah and not be not fall into that you know that tradition uh, that we have perpetuated well thank you for pointing that out neil that everybody because i you know what i used to say it too yep yep mm -hmm. yeah and it's kind of like that almost parrot principle right where you just hear it and so that's what you say you know it's kind of that same thing of we always start our our talks by saying and giving an account of how we were called to give this talk and, and well the bishop called me on such and such a day to at such and such mm -hmm. a time and i didn't like it and everything that but drives just, me crazy it, too it, it's like a parrot culture <laughs> and they, you wrap the bishop out or the counselor for calling you three days before <laughs> <laughs> yeah but like if you've only ever heard that, you just kind of assume that that's what you're supposed to do. And, and so you just kind of repeat it because you don't really know why, but you want to blend in. Uh, there was a, a video that was kind of going around. I can't even remember. It was probably a few years ago, but it was in this like doctor's office, right? And um, they were just doing a social experiment where one person would stand up every time that this like ding happened or something. And so- I have seen that or I can't even remember, it might have not even been like a sound that initiated, they just stood up. And so everybody that came in after, they just knew to stand up when everybody else stood up and everything. And so um, one by one, they finally filtered out and, and left just one person in the, the waiting room. And they were still just, they just knew they were conditioned to, to get up and stand up kind of thing. And it's like, I think a lot of our traditions are just that, like we just want to fit in so bad that we just kind of parrot what's around us. Not really anything bad. I mean, if we knew it was incorrect or a false tradition, we wouldn't do it. But, you know, there's there's not, you know, it's not gonna lead us down to hell, but um, we <laughs> we just kind of parrot what, what we see. And so after generations of, of seeing it, then it's up to us to kind of change it. Like what Rossanne was saying, you know, kind of practice it ahead of time. What, what can we say instead? If anybody has watched my family history videos that I've been doing lately, I realized through my editing process that I say, um, and, 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 uh, Ah. All right. All right. Let's see this. All right. Let's do this. And I'm like, holy cow, Cameron, you are so obnoxious. <laughs> and so like, I'm trying to change my vocabulary and it is one of the hardest things to change is my ums and ands and hum haws. Like, oh, it is, it is so hard to change. And you're doing great things. So don't stop. Yeah. <laughs> but like, sometimes this parrot thing is it can be the devil's playground, right? If he gets us complacent or just parroting and not building our own testimony or learning things. But, you know, like Neil said, it, it's where we start and that's, it's great. The Lord's happy with, with our efforts until when you know better, do better. And, mm -hmm. and uh, anyway, I just love all of this discussion here on becoming pure in heart. Like that's exactly what it is. Becoming pure in heart is recognizing, hearing the voice of the spirit, and then doing better, uh, just purifying little by little each and every day. It, it's such an important thing to do. I just want to share uh, also again from my studies yesterday in the Book of Mormon, First mm -hmm. Nephi 13, 37. Um, and blessed are they who shall seek to bring forth my Zion. 
um, at that day for they shall have, here's the first promise, the gift and the power of the Holy Ghost. So there's the first two. And if they endure to the end, they shall, number three, be lifted up at the last day and four shall be saved at the everlasting kingdom of the Lamb. Comma, now this is just kind of weird. And whoso shall publish peace, boy, do we need peace now. Yea, tidings of great joy, how beautiful upon the mountain shall they be. And I was like, that's just kind of weird. Like it just kind of goes a different way. So um, I thought, well, we need peace now and tidings of great joy. And I circled great joy. And then I'm like, what does tidings mean? So I looked it up in the 1828 dictionary, kind of interesting. News, advice, information, intelligence, account of what has taken place and was not known before. Mm -hmm. So isn't that kind of cool? And so this is then how I read it. So um, whoso published peace and tidings of great joy, it says, how beautiful upon the mountain shall they be? And I was like, they shall have the image of his countenance in the Lord's temple. Right? So anyways, I just wanted to share, share that, that I learned. Yeah, I just really resonated with that as you were sharing it. Like, I don't know, sometimes you just read scriptures and, and you kind of go through the motions. But like, I, when you read it, I was like, hey, that's like describing us. We Like, we're seeking to establish Zion. Those promises can be ours. And we can claim start them. Claiming right? them. Yeah, yeah, start claiming them. claim them. And I think that's what President Nelson's telling, have the gift and power of the Holy Ghost. I mean, we're told to receive the Holy Ghost, but we have to receive it, right? Mm -hmm. And then I, I love that to share, to, to publish to others the account of things not formally known. Like, isn't that what we're supposed to do? Be testifying? Yeah. Yeah. of things that people don't know about are we not supposed to have experiences that we can share and testify with greater testimony mm -hmm. i just thought that was really really cool and it kind of relates with our book so first nephi 1337 and then i just loved that last part when i was kind of be you know befuddled by it but then as i looked at it a little more it's like wow that we'll receive his image in our countenance and stand in his temple Mm -hmm. yeah I love that thank you yeah so anyway okay I didn't plan on sharing that it just kind of <laughs> yeah just pops up I love that yeah, yeah. can I say something cool. Kim? yeah for sure <clears throat> um, um I think last week we brought this up too about the purity of heart and <clears throat> on page 312 um Talks about eliminating the lies. I think this is the. Uh, I got to make sure I'm in the right place. Um, the end of paragraph two. It says, "How do we jettison the baggage of mortality that we may not be even aware of, not even be aware of?" The answer is such highly refined purity is a function of humility and of a willingness to let the Lord sequentially purchase of these impurities through the workings of the Holy Spirit. He teaches us um, the truths about ourselves and everything else and everyone else. Um, this process often involves experience, experiences that bring the baggage to the surface um, where we proudly use it to hurt ourselves or others. The Holy Spirit then quietly 
corrects or chastises. If we choose to humble, humbly comply, then a tiny circle of pure white appears on our mud spattered wall. And Becky talked about that last week. Um, and in I can't remember where it was, but they were talking about our, oh, here it is, the, at the middle of the first paragraph, arrogance, for example, is often a byproduct of feelings of inadequacy and of self-loathing or of a need to prove our worth again and again. And um, anyway, it goes on from there. But um, I don't know if anybody's read the books, Leadership and Self-Deception or the Anatomy of Peace, but we live that way unless we have um if we have love in our hearts for ourselves for god for our fellow man and um i think the rest when once when we have that i think other things take care of themselves or they just fall off and that we don't have to um strive to I love it when big chunks fall off because they've been hanging on other other things and usually it's the really quiet things in my heart that don't really have to do with um, how we or other people do things it's just it's the condition of our heart and whether we um, how we feel about God ourselves and our fellow man. And when that gets straightened out, I think everything else will just like the, the two greatest commandments. And so um, hallelujah for that, because that straightens almost everything. Well, I shouldn't say almost, I can't think of it, anything that it doesn't straighten out when those things are in order. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So an interesting thing though, is I'm helping a loved one go through an experience of recognizing false beliefs. And and the interesting thing is they want to hold on to those false beliefs Mm -hmm. because that's the comfort zone, right? Mm -hmm. Even though they know it's a false belief, it's too scary to believe the truth, Mm -hmm. right? Sometimes fear can can enter in. Yeah. Uh the love replaces fear then then they can let that false belief go right but the the love is never that's the issue right Mm -hmm. i don't love myself Mm -hmm. heavenly father loves everyone but me and i know that's true right Mm -hmm. so yeah it's it's a hard one to to do and sometimes when when we experience it, it it's hard to pass on it's kind of a um a, a case by case kind of example, and what a, a loving Heavenly Father uh, does—he's patient with us in that struggle. But uh, ultimately, it, it does have to kind of become a struggle so that we can actually descend in order to ascend. Because once right. we get it, we get it, right? That wrestle with the Lord. What was the name? Leadership and what? Anatomy of peace. Leadership. Uh huh. Leadership and self-deception. And then the anatomy of peace. They're both by the Arbinger Institute. And they're a lot. I don't know if anybody's read or listened to Bonds That Make Us Free by Terry Warner, but it's all the same group of, of people that um, they talk about living in and out of the box. And when you have love in your heart 
and you have, then you regard your fellow man well and you treat them well. And that's called being um, out of the box. But then when you want to have, try to protect yourself or prove you're right, or you, you know, you, that, that fear mode uh, or defense mode activates, then you're in the box and then you respond. So it's usually the first good prompting that it's really just following the spirit, but they don't say it like this because it's written for the world. So if you've always, I've seen that organization before and I can't remember, is it Arbinger with an A or with an H? Okay. That's what I thought it was an A. Yeah. And, um, it's, it's written in, um, story form, um, I think I prefer anatomy of peace, um, but they're, they're both effective getting the point across. So, um, thank you. You're welcome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love the anatomy piece. It's, it's so good. So good. Thanks for, thanks for bringing that up. Those Mm -hmm. are so good. I've never heard of them at all. (laughs) I haven't either. Oh, you, you, it's, it's good stuff. Have you um, read like the peace giver or the Holy secret? Any of those? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Those are oh, written. I have. They're really good. Oh my gosh. They're super good. <laughs> Is it the same foundation or different? No. Are people from the same foundation? James Farrell. Have you heard of him? Uh-uh. Can you name those books again? So I can write them down. The peace giver with all of them. The Peace Giver, The Holy Secret. Um, yeah, I think he wrote Falling to Heaven. Didn't he write Falling to Heaven too? Yeah, wrote Falling to Heaven. James, Heaven. James wrote all those yeah. three. And then, um, so the, the Falling I've to Heaven. I've heard of Falling to Heaven. And I thought that sounded really good. We yeah. have it on Audible. Yeah. It, 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 and it's on Desert Bookshelf as well. That's maybe where I saw it. It is... Um, not in story form, that one. At I least think I may have listened to it though, but it's been so long. I, yeah. I need to listen to it now that I'm in a different place. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I think I like The Peace Giver maybe a little bit more than The Holy Secret, but it's been a while since I've done either one of them. So I don't remember, but they're all, they are all teaching the same principles. Mm-hmm. Being... A, responding through love and they're just good <laughs> yeah thank you mm-hmm. i found a quote today i wanted to share because since she was talking about the anatomy of peace i just i can't even remember the book i found but it, it was on amazon and it had you know some of the books have an introductory quote at the beginning and i thought i got to take a screenshot of it because it was so good and it kind of fits with this it says Before you speak of peace, you must first have it in your heart. We have been called Mm -hmm. to heal wounds, to unite that which has fallen apart, and to bring home anyone who have lost their way. I love that, yeah. And I thought it was really good, because that's where we are. We're here to heal each other and help each other heal through love and forgiveness and Mm -hmm. grace and mercy. Um. Yeah, but we so want to hang on to the lies and condemn each other and criticize each other. It's just, it's so simple. If we just listen to the spirit, it would guide us to be more loving and kind. Yeah. 
Love that, yes. Um, let's see. <laughs> I swear our time goes by so fast. Um, I found it really interesting, the bottom of uh, 317 in some of the books anyway. Um, when, again, my favorite stuff out of this section is, is Joseph Smith uh, quotes, but um, when this belief really can start taking effect in us, um, this example that Brother Joseph then said, now, brethren, we will see some visions. Joseph lay down on the ground on his back, stretched out his arms, and the two brethren lay on them, and the heavens gradually opened. And, um, you know, John kind of marvels over what, what belief structure and what faith this took and, and how it's just so plainly like, we're just going to do it kind of a thing. And how much of our discipleship is is in this kind of confidence structure right like we just know that it works and we're just going to do it and invite others to do it with us um so many times we're just kind of tiptoeing around or maybe our unbelief might shadow certain aspects or or maybe that's one of the lies we believe uh-huh yeah and so like what does it take to get to this level where we just live in that kind of a space of yeah with God, all things are possible, and we're just going to do things. We're just going to have a vision. We're just going to do such and such. It's just like, that's kind of a breath of fresh air, really. It's like, if you can, like, unshackle yourself from everything, come to, to God with no more lies in your heart, and just believe that he can and do all things in your favor and in your good uh, interests and stuff. I don't know. I just really love that section. And how, how Joseph Smith is like our exemplar for this dispensation and uh, our preparations for the second coming. I, I, it just makes me want to <laughs> kind of almost stop everything else and go study Joseph Smith again and be like, okay, where, what have I been missing and all this kind of stuff. And then the spirit kind of kicks in and it's like, you already know all the things, just put it into practice and cast off your unbelief. That's all it takes <laughs> and come to God. You got this. Sometimes it's like, oh, I just want to study more. I just want to study more. Maybe I'll get the answer. I, I think we already know. We've, we've been given all of these things. Just do them now. <laughs> Have faith. Be believing. Uh, like our article of faith says, we believe all things. But do we? Let's put that, that belief into action now. Oh, no, because how many believe that we can't see the face of the Lord in this life? How many believe we don't have angels? How many believe, you know... Mm -hmm. yeah and i was right there not too long ago <laughs> it's all the plan is so perfect and god is so loving why would he keep anybody from anything he, he's so willing to and ready to come to us as soon as we're ready to come to him that's one of my biggest things this this past couple of years uh experiencing that uh the fire hose effect <laughs> it's just been unreal um, on page 323, I just put a question mark. Um, mm -hmm. It's the fourth paragraph, but I think you kind of need to read the, first, the paragraph before that. Um, but I'll tell you what I had the question on. There is a greater purpose even, even than that. One which powers the mighty mainspring of eternity and engages the gears of everlasting law. Okay, I just kept reading that and I read the pair. What is a greater purpose even than that? What is that? 
I did the exact same thing. I've got this big old question mark to the side. You, okay. So it's not just what? me. I'm like, I read it like five or six times. I'm like, I do not understand this paragraph at all. <laughs> read the paragraph before. <laughs> Maybe it's to, is it the purpose greater than the seeing the savior and having the second comforter? Mm -hmm. Is that what it's referring to? Yeah. So just kind of like summarizing some of those paragraphs going into it. So at the top of the page, so we covered the second comforter in priesthood and seeing God. There are many reasons, just reasons that God shows himself to man. Next paragraph, uh, things are sequential. It must, um, it follows patterns. Like it must do so every time it's righteously applied. And then we go through the next paragraph. It may appear more obvious to desire the second comforter to exult in the presence of the savior, to worship at his feet, to have the privilege of beholding his face and tearfully thanking him for the gift of his atoning blood shed for our expense. But as righteous as all these things are, such a motivation is nowhere listed as sufficient to part the heavens. And then here's where Aletheia is quoting. There is a greater purpose even than that, one which powers the mighty mainspring of eternity and engages the gears of everlasting law. When that purpose, that greater and we purpose, still don't know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that he doesn't define clearly. When that purpose becomes the only light that burns in our hearts, not just one of the many flickering desires, when our eye becomes single to this aspect, which I still haven't said what it is, yeah. the glory of God, <laughs> then our hearts will be pure indeed. Then the heavens will open and the one who, whom Holy Writ calls wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace will step through the veil. It's like the most <laughs> coded paragraph I've ever read in this book. But I was just like, I was doing the same thing as you. I was like, wait, what? did you say what it was and I just missed it? Like I had to go back and read it again. Yeah. Like, okay, good. I'm glad it wasn't just me. Cause I'm like, <laughs> am I just not like, I don't, apparently I had Omicron and I'm like, so uh, do I have COVID? But I, you know, the little brain fog from, but I wasn't even really that sick. So I'm like, I don't know. I'm not getting this. You should flag it and ask Terry what her opinion is on that. <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm going to try to be there. We have our family zoom meeting that night so if i don't will you ask yes i'm gonna try to remember questions and i actually had another question mark on page 309 that first paragraph it has become a matter of common knowledge that priesthood holders some more than others obviously have power to heal this knowledge is a fantastic support to our faith. Okay, here's the question. Non-priesthood holders have no such legacy of success to draw from, even though the promises are the same. Okay, I do not understand that last sentence. Mm -hmm. Those who don't hold the priesthood have no such legacy of success to draw from. Even though the promises are the same. I think that goes back to where um, he was talking about healing and how mm -hmm. women can even heal. But when you look at, you know, um, a legacy of family members who have priesthood holders, then you can go back and you can say, oh yeah, grandpa healed uncle so-and-so or whatever. Um, but that if you're, 
you're not connected to any of the priesthood. Um, you, I don't know. I think there could probably be healings and families that, you know, faith is passed down to do that, but it's not, not as common knowledge. I, I don't know. That's kind of, was my take on it. Okay. That makes sense now that I'm putting that in there. And I was like, is his deficit definition of non-priesthood holders? Because obviously he was kind of referring to women earlier. So then I was like, I'm, I'm kind of confused. Is that what he's referring to? Who is he referring to as non priesthood holders? Mm -hmm. um, that could be, it could be that maybe he's referring to women too. And if, if you think it's inappropriate or that's been passed down, you know, those false traditions, then yeah, you have no idea that that's something you can even even have access to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah, those are the two that I had question marks on. I was just like, hmm, okay. <laughs> Not to distract in any way, but do you have, does somebody have like coyotes in the background? I know. <laughs> I'm sorry, I think we've got the jazz game going on downstairs and my oh. kids are like screaming and yelling. So I got to remember to mute in between. <laughs> No, it was just so funny. I was, oh, it was like, great. What am I hearing? <laughs> I actually did have coyotes outside my window the other was night. That? Oh my goodness. <laughs> so it's not unheard of, but chances are likely. <laughs> so you know what this chapter, this last half just really um spoke to me more and solidified for me is how important the two commandments are. There really is nothing else. That's it. It really is. And it's I don't know if it's distilled on me like it has after this this last section here. It's like, that's literally it. I know I've known it for a while, but this just super, super reinforced it. Like, and I, my son, he just flies with the wind and he needs to feel relevant in the world. So anytime anybody's upset about something, then he's he doesn't even know what he's spouting off. He's just, you know, spouting off what everybody else says and thinks he sounds really smart and brilliant. But, you know, I'm like, Dalton, people, you're making people angry. You just need to love. That's the most powerful. He goes, we have to change people's minds. We have to make a difference. And I'm like, and you just need to do that by loving. There is no other way. There is no other way. Yep. But it's, that's, that's the, is it the paradox? It seems like by loving, you're not affecting a change. It's, it's kind of sometimes very slow. Um, and yet Heavenly Father just patiently waits for us with his love, right? Just waits and waits and waits. And sometimes it's slow and sometimes it's faster. And as humans, especially now with, um, oh, what is that phrase that we always use? The immediate, the gratification that we get. Mm -hmm. we Instant wanna, gratification. Yes, we wanna see that love make a difference right now. And when it doesn't make a difference right now, then and we go to brute force next, right? Uh -huh. <laughs> yep, yeah. You know, or, or we go to name calling or just, you know, I don't want to be around that person, isolating, alienating, whatever, you know, and, 
and that's and that's not it at all it's just um let's see we just did ceilings again actually I went to my niece's ceiling but we had done ceilings the week before that and that phrase of gentleness meekness and love unfeigned just kept ringing in my ears which yeah Nothing. this this 309 was I was reading this that's I was uh, recalled that the endowment Mm -hmm. promises we make where we start out with obedience and sacrifice um, law of the gospel chastity consecration and then finally prayer and that mind shift that goes you know sacrifice is everything's mine and i'm giving up part of it to when you get to consecration everything's the lord and i have a stewardship over what he's given me and that mind shift that happens and i see that in the steps you know that shift that goes on right yeah yeah and that's that's the hard part is that gentleness meekness and love unfeigned mm -hmm. yeah, that, sorry oh you're good do you guys remember the tv series touched by an angel yes that's what it was if, as far as I can remember, every single time they, it didn't until the love got through nothing else that the message, the lesson to be learned didn't get through either. Yeah. Let's see. I'm just looking up unfeigned, not count. It's the 1828 dictionary, not feigned, not counterfeit, not hypocritical, real, sincere as unfeigned piety to a piety to God and unfeigned love to man. So not counterfeit, not hypocritical. Yeah. Which is, is hard sometimes, right? Like what if you don't feel that? Then it, it so, comes down to like really a becoming pure in heart and actually changing, going through all of that process. So with my son, I told him, that I'm just the cheerleader mom. I'm just going to, I just love you. I'm just happy. No judgment, but there was a lot of judgment and he just, Oh, thank you, mom. Thank you. And we'd talk on the phone and he had a really difficult time managing money. And, and I'd say, what are you doing tonight? Oh, I'm going to meet my friends and go out to dinner. We're all meeting to go. And I'm like, Oh, yay. Are you serious? You know, that's what I'm thinking. Are you freaking kidding me? You know? And then every time we got together, which wasn't much because we I was in Texas and he was in Utah. So I travel up there. That's probably when I saw him the most. But um, it was really hard because I didn't want my face to betray me. Mm. You know, and it took a couple days before it was like everything could settle in. But I have to say, after practicing that, it took a year, maybe 18 months, maybe two years. I don't remember because it was so natural that I, there is no judgment. There's no mm -hmm. judgment. I just love him. Um, and, and I can testify that it comes it, through practice. Yeah. Thank you. Cause I mean, that's, that's totally it. That, that practice you eventually get it <laughs> and and the the blessing or gift that that's associated with it eventually flows in when you're willing to put in that effort right 
So I have it for my son. I don't know if I have it for everyone yet, right? <laughs> it's not always all encompassing, but but yeah, at least I've been able to see it work in that respect. Mm-hmm. But that. also I think once you once you can get past mm-hmm. the judgment and feel that love unfeigned for one person. I feel like it's easier to apply it to other people too. It is. It is. It's just always like, sometimes you have to remind yourself or, you know what I mean? You just like, oh wait, okay, this is okay. You know? Yeah, I've definitely had to deal with that with my children too. And, and it has overflown into, you know, other people too, that I've had a hard time getting past certain things and, <laughs> mm-hmm. and so, yeah it is it is easier as you go mm-hmm. it's kind of like riding a bike right you need yeah. some training wheels off the bat but then once you know how to ride a bike you kind of got it but you know there's mountain bikes and there's tandem bikes and there's all sorts of kind of bikes to get used unicycles to. <laughs> yeah unicycle <laughs> then, then quite his mother throws the unicycle at you and you're like wait what, what? <laughs> and then he raises the seat super high <laughs> And he goes, Ooh, go try this one. It's really fun. Oh, exactly. Grace to grace, right? Yep. But yeah, I, I love that. Yeah. I keep thinking of Elder Renlund's statement, though. If we don't have the love that we need to ask Christ to receive his love. And because we can practice all day long, but unless he gives it to us, then true we're 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 practicing tolerance and i'm not discounting anything that you did alethea at all but it Mm -hmm. still needs to come from him but that's Mm -hmm. what happened is um all of the embarrassment all of the disappointment all of the whatever shame whatever feelings you want to attach with that judgment that was all gone too isn't that wonderful yeah that was all gone and it, it didn't matter. Like nothing mattered. I just love him where he's at. So, which is real love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So. All right. I had an experience. Um, a few, I, it was quite a few years ago. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of there's this, it's a, like a MP4 series. It's pretty old, but it's about having a Christ-centered life. Um, I think his name is James Cox. Anyway, I was listening to this program. I really wanted to understand what it meant to have the Holy Ghost with me, you know, at all times. What does that really mean? I've been a member my whole life. I don't know what that means. What does that mean to have the Holy Ghost with me at all times? And um, his, um, he, a, a lot of things he said in there were really, really started to break down some of the false beliefs in my mind. Um, And it was really great. And I, and one suggestion he had was to create a reminder um, throughout the day to um, basically pray and ask for forgiveness, just constantly repent, because that's how you have the Holy Ghost with you. You have to repent. You have to turn back to God, right? 
And so I thought, well, I'm going to experiment with this. And I set my phone. I had a little, I put a, I found an app and every hour my phone would go off and I would, <laughs> I would pray every hour. And I don't know if you've ever tried that before, but it was challenging. I'd be like, oh my gosh, the hour's already up. I don't even know what to pray about. <laughs> and <laughs> it was super challenging, but after a certain, I don't remember how long I did it. I started to, I got to the point where I was sensitive enough that I would know I had done something that offended the spirit and that I needed to repent because I could feel the Holy Ghost leaving me. I could feel, I felt the shift in my body and felt, I mean, I got to that point where I was that sensitive and so one day I was standing in line at the grocery store and all of a sudden I was just standing there and there's a woman in front of me. And all of a sudden I felt the spirit leaving me. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I don't even know what I did. <laughs> you know, I, I started in my mind, I was starting, oh my father, I'm, I don't know what I did. I'm so sorry. And he showed me what I had done. I had so automatically judged the woman in front of me. I judged her clothes, what was in her cart. Like it was so automatic. I didn't even know I had done it. Hmm. I just started judging everything about her. And so I pray, I'm like, I'm so sorry. I didn't even know I was doing that. I'm so, you know, praying and asking for forgiveness. And next thing I know, this woman turns around and we have this wonderful conversation. And she asked me about this. I had something in my cart she had never seen before jicama I don't know anyway it's like what is that we were talking about it and I just realized that her spirit sensed a change in me and she the walls were down and she felt like she could turn around like it was so it was such a poignant experience but I guess I say all that because I think part of it is like you were saying, Liz, you have to ask for it from God and you have to seek for it and you have to tell him, I want to understand this. I want to know how to love better or whatever it is. And um, he will teach. I testify that he will teach you what, and I know you, you have all probably experienced that, but I just felt like sharing that experience. It was just such a poignant experience. And I, I, the first time I spoke in this ward that we moved to a couple of years ago, I told that story and people bring it up to me all the time. Oh yeah. I remember <laughs> Have Ross, ask Roxanne about repentance. She understands. <laughs> I'm like, I, I'm like, I, no, 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 that was anyway. But it was just such a poignant experience and um, taught me so, so much um, about what Heavenly Father wants to show us and teach us and how we can get that instruction. And anyway, it was just an amazing experience that mm -hmm. thought I would share. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. It, it's a, a fascinating uh, exercise kind of a thing. We did kind of a version of that in our, our mission. Um, we carried around a toothbrush in our pocket with our name tag and, and everything. And every time that we got asked about our toothbrush, we had to publicly 
repent of something in front of that person who asked us about it. And so, I mean, it was quite challenging. They're like, I don't know, did I have anything in the last 15 minutes that I need to repent of? <laughs> but like, you constantly were in this mode of, of testifying, like you're, I mean, you've got Christ's name on, on your soul here, and you're testifying of the power of repentance and becoming clean all throughout the day and stuff. And we did it for, I don't know, it was, it was quite a while, a couple of weeks at least. But I mean, we had so many people come up to us and share that they had done the same thing, that they had tried to brush their teeth every 10 minutes and uh, the power that that had without even really diving full on into, hey, will you be baptized? But like the, the transformative power of repentance and getting people in tune with their, their uh, <laughs> conscience or you know the the light of christ the the voice of the spirit kind of thing because you can feel when it leaves you and you're just like whoa what happened because it was so automatic i love that example right there like i i don't know i i was just sitting here minding my own business but apparently i was i was judging and the lord needed that to, to change and and everything i love it it, it's a handy thing. I might have to do that at work. I'm going to carry a toothbrush in my back pocket. And every time anybody <laughs> on the construction site asks, I'm going to be like, oh, no. well, I'm repenting of. <laughs> that would be a long day. <laughs> yep. But I, I would love to hear you. I would love to hear the experience. So yeah, you should do it. I'm going to write a book about it. It's going to be the Toothbrush Chronicles. <laughs> Just kidding. I don't have time for that, but anyway. <laughs> Anybody have time for that? <laughs> anyway, so what a journey this has been, Triumph of Zion. I, I just want to read this, the, the last uh, verse that he quotes here. Israel, Israel, God is speaking. Hear your great deliverer's voice. Now a glorious morn is breaking for the people of his choice. Come to Zion, come to Zion, and within her walls rejoice. That's us. That's what we're trying to do and what we're trying to perpetuate to the world. Uh, that, that principle of light and truth and repentance and following Christ. But it all boils down to the two commandments, right? And, and here we are uh, doing amazing things. It's so fun to hear everyone's stories and experiences and get to chat about these. <laughs> Sometimes it's the descents that, that we're chatting about and, and going through, but how, how blessed we are to have found each other and formed friendships and uh, going through these things together so that we can, can tackle all of the things that are coming. I, I just, <laughs> I love our groups. I love this Zion that, that has brought us together and, and how we're building it. Um, anyway, uh, we have exciting things ahead of us for sure. Uh, as we, we go through President Nelson's words and as we go on to School of the Prophets and, and all of that. Thanks for <laughs> sticking it through. I know we have our, our schedules. They're always kind of up in the air and changing and everything, but uh, just know whether you're here or whether you're not, that, that especially me and my mom, we're, we're always praying for you, each of you by name and, and through any challenges that you might be experiencing. And, and anyway, we, we just love y'all. It, it's been so fun to, to go through this book together. It's one of my favorites. I could go through it a million times. But anyway, just like to 
just kind of end on that that high note it's it's so fun uh anyway anybody else have anything to, to share before we head out i'm so grateful too that um i don't even know how i came across this group actually i don't even remember how it happened <laughs> but it doesn't matter i i'm so grateful for it and it's just led me to so many so many great things and um i love this book too i actually haven't i actually haven't finished reading it yet it's kind of like the, a book where you're like no i don't want it to end uh -huh. <laughs> so i'm not quite done with it yet because i just I think subconsciously I was like, no, I don't, I don't want it to end. I don't want to be, I don't want the book to be over, <laughs> but I know I can read it again, but, um, mm -hmm. and, and you anyway, can go into so. following the light of Christ into God's presence is the next one you'll want to dive into. It's a pretty good one. Okay. For sure. <laughs> but yeah, thank you. So great. Yeah. All right, so again, uh, we'll meet back on Sunday, 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time for that author chat with Herrick and um, Todd, and then we will not have our class next Wednesday, and then the Wednesday after that, we'll dive into uh, the words of President Nelson. Uh, I've sent out a, a study guide. It's on the Facebook group, but I'll be sending that out in an email uh, later this week. Um, it's kind of like some ideas for how to deep dive and binge conference talks, uh, things to look for and patterns to find. Um, and uh, anyway, just some instructions. Feel free to invite anybody else that you wanna. I mean, yes, we will be diving deep, um, but I think the, the nature of the, the words and everything um, will, we can have a, a much broader audience that I, we might not <laughs> have our, our super deep discussions about translation and second comforter and everything. But uh, anyway, I don't know. If, if you feel so inclined to invite uh, family members that, that might not be quite as far along or, uh, but anyway, just feel open to, to invite others. Um, it'll be a, a fun journey through President Nelson's talks. He's so inspired and, and leading us right into the second coming. I have a question, and yeah. you might have already answered this. I got on late tonight. I had to be at the school for something. But um, so I, I ordered a book of Nelson. And so are those on their way or should I? Uh -huh. Yeah, so I just received them a couple days ago uh, from the publisher. And so I'll be sending those out uh, the next couple of days. Great, fantastic, thank you. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right, well, it's been fun. Have a great week, everyone. We'll see you on Sunday if you can make it. <laughs> Bye. Thank you. Bye. See you Sunday.